You're joining with me in the Pastor Soapbox. This is episode eight. Um, my name is Seymour Heligar, and I'm grateful to the Lord that we can spend some time together. And I know it's been uh, just a rough patch the last several weeks, several months. Uh, but the Lord is faithful. Uh, his love and kindness, Scripture says it endures forever. Uh, this episode, we want to discuss uh, the marks of deception. The marks of deception, and of course, there's a play on words. It's M-A-R-X, not M-A-R-K-S. Uh, because it's going to center around a very dangerous uh, system or structure uh, called Marxism. Part of the reason that we, we need to talk about these things regularly now is that the world's council is now in our churches. So we need to look at our current trends from a biblical view. And the, the view for the Christian comes from the word of God. We um, know from Romans, the first chapter, that the effect of not recognizing who God is and acknowledging him as God begins with the suppressing of, of what God has revealed about himself in what we call general revelation or creation. And uh, scripture says that his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they, every person, every human, they are without excuse. Of course, in Romans 1, it gets worse. Once you suppress the truth, you don't improve on that. Things get progressively and consistently worse. And we find that to be the case at each major point of exchanging, uh, for example, the glory of God, God will turn humanity over. And in verse 21 of Romans 1, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you have a heart that's foolish already. It just becomes darker. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. So why, while we tear down images, we erect more images in our heart. Uh, the idols of our heart continues to grow. It's not the visible idols that affect us or the statues, it's the heart. That is the issue. It says, well, God gave them up in uh, verse 24, uh, in the lust of their hearts and purity to the discerning of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, Paul says in Romans 1.25. Then in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable uh, passions. And then in verse 20, 28 of Romans 1, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That's the world we live in today. And it is getting progressively worse and at a fast pace. Now, when we look at what is happening in we're talking about the marks of deception with, with a framework of what's happening in this world. Things are not improving for a depraved society unless they repent and believe in the gospel. But there's the philosophy that Karl Marx and, and his writings and his influence 
still resonates today with so many people, not only in society, but sadly in the life of believers in our churches today. I want you to pay attention to how that actually manifested. From our textbooks in our schools, uh, to, to even the songs that we may sing, to social agendas. Uh, now from uh, many of our pulpits in our country and the world, uh, we are, we're hearing sounds and we're hearing echoes of Marxist ideology, even down to the casual listener. The thing with Marxism, it is actually a very flexible concept. It has a, 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 what I would say a core philosophy, but how it can be applied is flexible. Uh, even some would say that call um, Marx's writings were hard to understand uh, because he had no biblical foundation. But his his goal, his agenda, and how he viewed life was, I think, a very great influence on many people as it is today. So today the adaptation of Marxism is in the form of what we would call cultural Marxism or neo-Marxism. And uh, cultural Marxism works more within the intellectual sphere of society. Traditional Marxism was more in the, the labor and the working sphere of society. Now it is more in the, the thinking class because the intellectualism and education has grown and, and that's where you, you make your, your impact. So you will find Marxism taught in public schools uh, or universities. And you will also see that the transmission of Marxist ideologies is done through the media. So your predominant mediums, your major television networks, they have liberal views and those views are rooted in Marxism or neo-Marxism. Listen to an article that was written, it is online, in 2018. It says, cultural Marxism goes back to Antonia Gramsci and the Frankfurt School. The theorists of Marxism recognize that the proletariat or the laborer would not play the expected historical role as their revolutionary object. Therefore, for the revolution to happen, the movement had to depend on the cultural leaders to destroy the existing, mainly Christian, culture and morality, and then drive the disoriented masses to communism as their new creed. The goal of this movement is to establish a world government in which the Marxist intellectuals have the final say. And that principle that we're seeing today in the intellectual sphere, but also in this political sphere, where wherever there's thought, education, influence taking place in your schools, in your political arena, on uh, your, your television networks, you find that uh, cultural Marxism is making this impact in those specific spheres. But I do want to take you back to a 1971 uh, if you were born before 1971, you may have heard this song, and it's called Imagine. It was written by John Lennon. But if you were not born then, that song was sung by the likes of Dolly Parton and Lady Gaga. I don't recommend their songs. I don't even recommend them. Uh, all I'm saying is that uh, it's it's not really foreign to our ears today because it is still what we're seeing being recycled or resurrected in resurrected in the most minor forms if i can use that word lightly but uh, part of the song says imagine there's no heaven it's easy if you try no hell below us above us only sky uh, imagine all the people living for today 
just give you just a brief snippet of that song. Those are seeds of Marxism. And they're doing and applying that same Marxist principle today through the educational environment, the intellectual environment, and the political environment. So they're using those three areas, the intellectual, the political, and uh, the, the transmission through the news and the media outlets, the informational outlets. Um, they're using those means and those vehicles to transmit cultural Marxism. Now you say, well, how could that be successful? Well, I think when you have a foothold on those mediums and you, you use current events to pressure society, especially now with the Black Lives Matter quote movement going, uh, that that is how they make their access. They, they use a vehicle that they know touches many sensitive nerves for American society. But one of the things that they do that makes them successful is that cultural Marxism determines the agenda. It determines the agenda. And listen to this carefully, though. The goal is not to inform the community, but to deceive an already confused people. So it's not information. Remember, it's not information. It's indoctrination. It's not information, but it's indoctrination. By infusing anger, bitterness, frustration, and hatred from either the past or the present, even if some of the content or all of the content's not factual, if you were to say, okay, this happened in the past, they may agree, but the facts surrounding what happened is irrelevant to them. Their goal is to, to, to fit the history according to their agenda, so the narrative is going to change, depending on what the objective is. And the reason is that they're more interested in the results than the actual means to the end. And so we would say that God who ordains the beginning and the end, also ordains the means to the end. That's not how Marxism works. And that is why it's so subtle, and it's in the church even as believers think about it. Believers are not always considering the means to the end. They're willing to partner with, with organizations. And I know some say, well, I, I use the phrase, but not the movement. I've already made my statement on that. Um, I think these things are, are rooted uh, not in Christianity, not in creation, not in ex nihilo, but in evolution. And so are these categories. So if you want to use them, that's fine. Just realize when, when uh, the movement says Black Lives Matter and we really, they thought came from, you know, uh, matter itself and not the image of God and God created us from the dust of the earth. Uh, if you're willing to go with that, just beware that the subtlety of Satan is just like that. We could say, well, that's okay. It's fine. But actually it's not as rooted in, in doctrines of demons or deception. And uh, we know that the Bible says, Satan is the deceiver and accuser of the brethren. So these phrases are not light. Neither is a movement. And the Christians need to be aware of that. But of course, going back to the fact that this, the content that they give is not factual, that they're more interested in the results, we should not be surprised by that. Think about it. How is it possible to, to fully believe anyone who does not believe in God when it comes to critical life issues, especially? I'm not saying that, you know, you can't believe an unbelieving doctor. That's his specialty. But listen, these people are dealing with moral and ethical issues. This is not just some, you know, how to bake bread, how to fry chicken. These are moral and ethical issues. How can we trust an organization, a slogan, a movement aimed to agitate the frustrated through media propaganda? I mean, can a follower of Christ walk with the people who believe that we're not image bearers? 
but we were, as atheists Richard Dawkins says, most likely a gigantic eyeball before becoming this proportionate human being. I mean, can sinners who do not believe in creation determine that any life matters when we're just matter? With no aim in life, no purpose for living, we're no significant than a head of lettuce? So Marxism has one goal, and deception is not wrong in their book. They conquer by dividing. Listen to this now. They conquer by dividing, setting the stage for, yes, even churches to split over this issue. That's part of their goal. It's to disarm the church, to divide the church, to conquer the church. And so that members can fracture each other. So now what we have here is we have one side in our churches react on past pain coupled with present propaganda. And that's true. I'm not saying that pain in the past isn't real for some of us. I, I, I'm from that ethnicity, so I, I realize that and can relate to some of that. But it is past pain coupled with present propaganda, sometimes bitterness and unforgiveness. Then you have the other side of the believers who are caught in the middle, but they remain fixed in the truth. But sadly, they're hated for it. That is cultural Marxism at work. And we're seeing it unfold in our churches because they determined the agenda, which leads to the second means that they achieve this success. And it is they determine the oppressed from the oppressor. Um, cultural Marxism and Marxism in general determines the categories, the oppressed from the oppressor. Now, they will not use a, a, an objective standard, but their own fabricated logic. Even their education okay, is not resting on facts or sound principles. So they're in our schools, and our young people who are not applying the scripture to the courses they're taking, or they're unbelievers, gullible to believe anything they hear from the, quote, experts. And we've heard many unbelieving college students say, well, he's the expert. He's, he's been teaching for years. Introducing Marxism in a, in a culturally palatable way. So that is not coincidental in our age because you have an, an age in a society where relative truth fits Marxism's agenda. And you've heard the term, right? That's my truth, their truth. So it's not a lie, it's their truth. So it can't be a lie because that's what they really believe, it's their truth. And as misleading as that may be, it doesn't matter. Marxism determines who is oppressed, who's not oppressed, who's guilty, who's not guilty. They determine the categories. Now, who's the father of this movement? We know it's Karl Marx, and he's the father, really, of communism. His goal was to see a communist-ruled world. And uh, very few people actually realize that influence, his influence today, but he's still influential. According to uh, author Paul Johnson, Karl Marx has had more impact on actual events as well as on the minds of men and women than any other intellectual in modern times. Uh, his family were Jews, practiced to some extent, I do believe, Judaism, until his father made an economic decision to abandon Judaism and convert to Protestantism to, to gain employment advantages. It wasn't because he heard the gospel and believed it. It was for work purposes. So a sellout. Well, after seeing the impoverished conditions of the lower class people, 
Uh, Karl Marx was dissatisfied with the living conditions. For some reason, he cared for them, cared for them. But the sad reality is that uh, Marx, you know, it seems as if he showed care for them, but his life was not for the benefit of his immediate family or for the glory of God. Listen to the people that some of these Marxist certified uh, proponents have submitted to. From failure to pay rent to the inability to actually pay normal bills. Karl Marx would survive or escape eviction through the means of wealthier people or his family's inheritance. So it betrayed his convictions or what he wrote on paper. It was a fraud. Marx would outlive his wife and children. Two of his children dying less than two years apart and there was a belief that he just couldn't afford to take care of them or may have just neglected them. I, I would think whether you can afford it or not, it's neglect. Because the man who wants to care for his kids will find ways to make sure they're taken care of. Then they suffer the loss of the eight-year-old son. Uh, they had a stillborn baby. They had another child dying of cancer two months before Karl Marx's death. And his wife would die of cancer two years before his death. So no legacy, just a life of loss. Huge loss. One of neglect and hypocrisy as far as I see it. But his writing legacy still weaves into the fabric of our society. But what is also interesting is that Marx is um, most credited for saying that religion is the opium or drug of the people. But this ideology has not only found some favor in part of the world, but you know that two women from BLM, the Black Lives Matter movement, are Marxist. But this ideology is also taken root in our churches. And uh, the church is unsuspecting of it, of it because many people are fighting the battle for social justice or justice, but it's not the justice that they think. And of course, if you don't stand with uh, some of the churches, they've been, quote, black pastors, not myself, of course, who would criticize, quote, white pastors for not standing up without realizing that this is a very difficult situation because there's so much that affects the church that believers have to be very careful and safeguard. We can affirm someone's life by saying, as fellow believers, on a one-on-one basis, that I love you, brother, sister in Christ, without having to blast on social media that that life matters to receive some approval. We can speak about the, the abuse and the partiality in our world without actually having to call it racism because that particular word uh, finds very little theological basis, nor can we say that everything that happens in the world is racially motivated. But the Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter movement wants us to think that everything is racist, racially motivated. And so when you look at the situation with Karl Marx and, and others, it has affected society and it has affected the church and the church feels pressure. And I told you that it's in the educational sphere uh, it is also in the media sphere. You heard words from a man like Chris Comer recently says, you don't need help from above, it's within us. Those are signs of a Marxist ideology to a man who was probably trained under it, didn't think much of it because it's just a part of our fallen nature to, to oppose and resist the truth from God's word. But then... How does this relate to the church when we look at these, these 
success barometers and that these movements are making headway these marxist movements these cultural marxist movements are they're making headway not only in the world but in the church well how does it relate to the church well whenever we say there's systemic racism to mean that every institution in america is infested with racism then we're saying that systemic racism is in the church it's in the system or if we say that white privilege exists even in our churches where the, the quote white community has an advantage of superiority we're building classes equivalent to the classes that Karl Marx built by that we're acknowledging that systems are the problem and not the heart of each person I don't recall Jeremiah saying that institutions are incurable sick and desperately wicked who could know it no he said the heart Jesus did not say that from the local market in Rome proceed evil thoughts. He said from the heart. Marxism promotes systemic structural changes, institutional changes, but not a change of the heart. And when pastors say I'm crying out and decrying institutional racism, or that is systemic racism. That is a Marxist philosophy or ideology that has affected the very core of their theology. Something else, too, is that Marxism pressures the opposition. They pressure the opposition. Now, I pray that you hear me out on this one. Social media sites that will not bend to the requests of the social justice warriors and Black Lives Matters people are publicly criticized for not being, quote, for black people. But that's as bad as that is, it's not as evil in comparison to this one. Fellow pastors and church leaders are pressuring saints to support causes, their causes, or causes for, quote, blacks, in, in almost guilting them in a sense of reparation, to say that I want you to, to, to show me you care, opening up your pocketbooks, doing something materially as a demonstration of solidarity. Okay, well, what's wrong with that? I said it's wrong. I said it's, it's a gross evil, and the reason is the problem is among many, that Marxism does not deal or appeal to the conscience. It prefers for the conscience to remain in its evil postulation against God. The preference is, all right, is to guilt others by pressure through shame. And that is how they're working in the intellectual sphere, the educational sphere, and, and making headway as they're doing so using the media to shame other companies. Or in the political sphere, they're removing their support and supporting others who will push their agenda. So now this is election year, election season. This is a prime time to tell those um, future senators, representatives, whatever it may be, that you will not get our support if you don't support us and we will publicly shame you.
pressuring them into answering. That is happening even on a ministerial level where some believers feel like they're being pressured to respond. That's Marxism. It's communism. It's a gross evil. It doesn't appeal to the conscience of the word of God. It appeals to people's emotion or false sense of guilt. It is, it's not even sensible to be guilty for something that you did not do when you weren't even born. Tax, you have to pay reparations or penance for it. It is a gross evil. And if you have done that, you have sinned because that is not how repentance works. You cannot repent for something you did not do. And so for those who are promoting that, that's Marxism. That's not theology. Now, listen, that's what it is, beloved. Dear listener, that's what it is. It is cultural Marxism. It is communism, but it is through um, education, media, and politics. And so you have identity politics where the support for candidates is based strictly on how they fit BLM's agenda or just those social agendas in general. And that agenda is not equality of life or the equality that you think. It is the upheaval of all moral and ethical principles from Scripture. But then from identity policies, you have the cancel culture. And that is movements are demanding companies to withdraw support from anyone who disagrees with them. Now listen to this carefully. If I, you don't fit my agenda, if you don't agree with me, then I'm going to force this company to withdraw their support from you. It's, it, was, it could be a respectful disagreement. It could be freedom of speech disagreement. It's, it's not like an evil disagreement. It's just a strong disagreement that you may have, and you have substantial proof for it. You could lose your support. So you have the cancel culture. All of these are from Marxism. It's cultural Marxism. It's, it's rooted in, in dealing with you from um, a political point of view, uh, from an educational point of view, or from a media point of view. And now you can add a monetary point of view. Because there were several people, including an Asian lady, who lost her job for saying all lives matter. These, beloved, are the offsprings of Marxism that has adopted his philosophy, but made it more of a cultural Marxist ideology in infiltrating society's intellectual sphere, political sphere. And in doing so, they've also affected the media sphere, how the media distributes the information, and they have taken root in the political sphere, how, how politicians are supported or not supported or voted for or not voted for. This is cultural Marxism in the flesh. And I do want you to remember that there's so many other things I could say on that point. But you have two women who are trained Marxists who are using the tragedy in Minnesota, the unrest we have using COVID to fulfill the Marxist antichrist agenda. Karl Marx is their mentor. He did not have a biblical view of the family. In fact, he thought the society's view of the family in that time, if it is biblical, he said it is primitive. And he said it is a sign of bondage. So the father and the husband leading his home is something that Karl Marx detested and loathed. He had the equivalence of an egalitarian's view of a wife's submission to her husband. In other words, she didn't have to be. And the children's submission to her parents, those were signs of bondage. He did not agree with God's word in creation. And so what you see today in our circles, where women are holding male pastoral duties in some churches or fighting for the pulpit, uh, when back in the day preaching was not glamorous, you have that issue today because it is a sign of Marxism. 
So when higher critics stood over the Bible in judgment and many churches did very little to nothing to silence them, the same issues today. Instead of us crying out the theological shame and scandals, we're being forced to actually position ourselves to call out racism that doesn't exist or to call out for justice. Well, we're praying for justice, but we're praying for justice God's way, but most of all for the gospel to be preached. We don't disagree with those who are calling for it. We just refuse to capitulate to the narrative that we know is not consistent with the word of God, but is in line with Marxism. And so now you have the, those in society who are adopting Marx, a Marxist ideology. And when they say that out pastors in the evangelical circles are misogynistic, which means someone who's adamantly, adamantly prejudiced against women. Now, if you think about this, the problem with calling a pastor misogynistic is that if you knew him or know that pastor, he would do the very same thing to his wife and other women. He will not treat them well. He will not labor and work hard for them. They will work hard for him. He will not make life easier for them. Uh, he will not support them. They will support him. The chief misogynist in our history that I know of is Karl Marx. He failed in all the above categories. He did not treat his family well. He did not work hard for them. He did not make life manageable for them. He did not support them. When you outlive all of your kids, you've done something wrong. Now, in the conclusion here, I would say, I just want to leave a few thoughts with you and just remember that because these movements are not rooted in creation, then their evolutionary position, and even when we say Black Lives Matter, it's a category that is rooted in evolution and some kind of plasma and plasmic uh, shaping and formulation of humanity that we were just this huge uh, uh, blob, either an eye socket or just some blob of human matter that all of a sudden came together and evolved over time. Uh, we were once animals and now we're humans. All of these philosophies of the world, it's a dishonor for the image of God. And as a church, we must make much of the image of God. Much, much, much of that. Uh, Karl Marx distorts that value Another image of his gods are unstable human structures or the conquering of, of a particular human ideology or system. But secondly, work and labor. Image of God to work and labor. God cursed the ground because of man's sin. Labor was not cursed, but its results are cursed. The Marxism would like to think it can ease man's struggle in this world. Now today it's saying, don't make us work hard. Give us what we think we deserve. In the land of opportunity, instead of humanity working hard and laboring, is which we all must do, uh, they think that there's some people more privileged than they are. And we have a, a wonderful opportunity to achieve a great success in this world, although that is not the ultimate goal. It is certainly a great deception when we think that there's a great gross disadvantages and it's widespread. There are opportunities available. We need to train our men to be men. We need to train our fathers to be fathers. We need to train our fathers to be men of the word. That's the hard work. The easy work is to blame a system. The hard work is to teach men how to be men. But thirdly, redemption. Redemption is a need from, for this world. Redemption is Christ redeeming us from our sins, rescuing us from the Father's wrath. A Marxist redemption and today's redemption is redemption from an oppressive uh, man, this straw man who doesn't exist. That is a great deception in our world today, and that is not going to bring lasting peace. Only Christ will. Listen, so much more I can say. It's been great to be with you. May God's grace, joy, and peace be with you all. This is the Pastor Soapbox. Thank you so much for listening.